What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the C-String Podcast. This is episode 17, I believe. Uh, and this is going to be episode 2 of Penguin Prattle. Um, last time we talked, we were four games into the season, into the hockey season. And um, it was going great, great for the Penguins. Honestly, couldn't have cut it on a little bit better. You know, it just had one overtime loss against the Canadians. Other than that, it's been going fantastic. Um, it's now five games later. We are nine games through the Penguin season, at least. Um, we are through October, and in short, some things have changed. Um, we'll get into it. Let's just let's just go ahead. Let's just get into it right now, and we'll talk a little bit more about what I think of what's happened uh, a little bit later. But for now, let's just start with uh, game number five, which was at Columbus on October twenty second. Feels like forever ago now. Um, it was Jari and Net for the. For the Pens and Merzlikens in the net for the Blue Jackets. <clears throat> uh, Gensel was out in this game. Um, in the previous game against the Kings, he had gotten hit by Latang uh, with the puck and in the ear. It was in the ear, and he was out this game. Um, so you know, you're gonna have to go without Gensel. That should be fine. Your team should be able to at least function without one player. I know it's Gensel. But your team should still be able to, like, do things and not suck. So, we'll see how that went. <clears throat> In this first game against the Blue Jackets, it didn't start good. Um, first period was probably one of the worst first periods I've ever seen out of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, just awful the whole entire time. Uh, I couldn't tell you really what went wrong. Um, but all you need to know is that the Penguins didn't even get it attempt a shot until like 12 minutes in and they didn't get a shot on target until like 13 14 minutes in so terrible just terrible the whole way um jenner would score one for the blue jackets at 7 minutes 13 seconds and roslovic would get a shorthanded goal at 18 minutes and 44 seconds that would be unassisted so it'd be 2-0 uh, after the first but honestly it probably should have been something like 4 or 5 to 0 because man I've never seen a team get so many two-on-ones, three-on-two chances, odd-man rushes. I've never seen so many goddamn rushes like that. Um, and they had like three or four of them that came when they were down a man. They still had like three or four shorthanded opportunities in odd-man rushes. And obviously, as you can see, Roslovic capitalized on one of those. I just, I couldn't, I can't tell you what went wrong. They just, they slept too long on the plane. They ate too much before the game I have no idea they just came out so flat um, and it was so jarring how much different the rest of the game was because the Pens came out in the second and third periods and acted like they owned the place um, they were running the Blue Jackets rampant up and down the, uh, the ice um, it was nice to see though Archibald three minutes and 43 seconds in to the first or to the second period excuse me and we get the first goal for the penguins um it was a nice uh, wrister from the right side uh just over or just maybe under the glove and over the leg pad uh, the left side leg pad of merzlikens and paling would get credited with an assist on that one it's really cool to see there johnson would get one only 13 seconds later courtesy of roslovic with the assist but still it was all pens and then yeah, uh, halfway in, Ruta would get one, courtesy of Kapanen, and then Danton Heinen would get one at 14 minutes and 19 seconds in, courtesy of Crosby and Pedersen. So the game was tied after two. 
And like I mentioned, this second period looks so much better. I just don't understand it. You know, how how can you send out, you know, the the Wilkes-Barre Scranton team to the fucking rink in the first period and then to bring the actual team for the rest of the game? This is not going to work. It's not going to work every time. And you'll see it's not going to work every time in the couple of the games we're going to cover in the future. But, yeah, I don't know what happened, but they fixed it. Again, really liked what I saw from guys not named Crosby, Malkin, Rust, you know, anybody else, third line, fourth line stuff, enjoyed what I saw. And as much as I want Heinen to get more minutes, um, you know, maybe it's nice to have him as a boost of just being of shot scoring and playmaking capabilities on that third line. Maybe that's good there. Like, if you replace, I feel like he's better than Zucker, but not by a lot. And you can have Zucker on that second line and then move behind him back to the third line like that. It creates more scoring depth. You know, you'll have more chances with the third line with Heinen in it than with Zucker in it. So, I don't know. I don't know about that. Of course, second line's need more time on the ice. So, I don't know. I'm not the coach. I don't have to worry about these decisions. Um, but then in the third period, Pens would want to rave with it. They would score six goals again. Um, they would get four, uh, the fourth one from Crosby. Fifth one from Heinen, and the sixth one from Brock McGinn. And again, super stuff from the third and fourth lines uh, in this game, in the second and third periods at least. And even in that first period, the only highlight of that first period was the fourth line jumping over the wall and getting on the ice. Um, but yeah, the Penguins had 39 shots compared to the Blue Jackets 32. They won the faceoff uh, percentage with 53.3. Both teams 0 for on the power play, Penguins 0 for 3, Jackets 0 for 1. Uh, which means penalty, Penguins only had two penalty minutes. Really good, obviously. Uh, the giveaway to takeaway ratio, positive for both teams. Uh, the Penguins had four giveaways to seven takeaways. Blue Jackets had five giveaways to ten takeaways. So really good from both teams there. Um, but I will say, Penguins kind of controlled this game after that first period. They should be thankful that Jari kept it close. He only allowed those two goals when really... They should have scored, like I said, five or six times. So, thankful. You got to be thankful for Jari for that one. And really shouldn't have probably even been close the other direction um, after that first. It was so embarrassing. I'm not kidding when I say it was probably the worst period that any team has played of hockey so far this season. It, I, and I, did, I don't know. And then they just bounced back. Like, it was nothing. Like, nothing ever happened. This is the weirdest thing ever. Well, after that win, after that 6-3 win against the Blue Jackets, that was an away day on Saturday. Two days later, on Monday the 24th, they'd have an away day against the Oilers. Uh, this would be a first of a back-to-back, which means this would be a f- um, the second game that would be played in four, uh, in a four-day span. They would play three games in four days, essentially, and they were all road games. Uh, this is the second one. is against the Oilers. It's Jari versus Campbell. Um, Gensel's out again. Uh, Bluger's out, as always. Um, but the first period would start, and it was mostly Penguins to start the game. Penguins had more control. Um, they had the puck a little bit more. They had more shots. They were creating more chances, um, and that would show on the scoreline after the first period. Hyman would get the first chance for the or the first goal for the Oilers, though, uh, just under five minutes in. But then later in the period, Raquel would get one on a power play goal, and then Crosby would get one um, with an assist from Raquel and Tristan Jari. Uh, so that's kind of cool to see Jari getting his first point of the season. Um, 
but yeah, after the first, it was looking up. Like the Penguins were leading shots somewhat in the somewhere in the region of like fifteen to nine, somewhere around there. Those aren't going to be the exact numbers, but somewhere in that region, um, they were doing everything right. Um, and then they stopped doing things right. Um, this was kind of the antithesis of the Columbus game. In that game where they came out flat-footed and then dominated two and three. In this one, they dominated the first period, uh, but then got slapped around in the second period especially, but also the third too. Um, Rust would score an early one in the second, like two minutes in. Um, it went in off the back of the goalie. It was a backhander. It was a weird one. Probably, it's just shot that shooters take and just kind of hope the bounce goes in. They're not really trying to shoot from, they're not really trying, they're not really expecting it to go in, essentially. They're just hoping. And this one went in. Um, but <clears throat> after that, even during that, this was a one-time thing in the second period because it was all Oilers. And it was only a matter of time before they started scoring. And only two minutes later, Barry would get one on the power play. And then later in the period, an onslaught, they just kept coming at the Penguins, and then finally they just broke down. Um, Kane got one at 15 minutes, Nugent Hopkins got one at 18 and a half minutes, and then Dreisaitl got one at 19 and a half minutes to make it five, three Oilers, three goals in the span of four minutes, just about <clears throat> really embarrassing stuff this period. Um, not much else to say. I didn't actually watch this game. I couldn't watch it. Um... I think it was on NHL Network or something, but yeah, I couldn't actually watch this game. I only saw the highlights. Um, but yeah, that's a that's a bad it's a bad second period. The third period didn't inspire anything either. Um, the Penguins didn't seem like they're pressuring to get the goals back. Um, the Oilers weren't really doing much either, but I think they st even they still had more shots than the Penguins. So this one you could tell as a Penguins fan, this one probably wasn't going to turn out. Uh, turn around, I should say, and it didn't. Uh, the Oilers would even get one more, courtesy of McLeod and Ryan, with the assist at 16 minutes and 45 seconds to put this one to rest. Um, so we'll go into the stats a little bit. Penguins had 35 shots, Oilers with 47. So you can tell that second and third periods were really controlled by them. Um, Face-off percentage, first time the Penguins had lost in the face-off percentage um, uh, column this year was against the Oilers. They uh, had 46%, the Oilers had 54 The Penguins were 1-5 on the power play, the Oilers were 1-3. for three. Um, And this, starting with the Columbus game, these five games really just started a stretch where the power play was terrible. Um, this game and the next game we'll talk about especially, especially bad, just struggling to even get into the offensive zone. Couldn't even cross over the, couldn't even cross over the blue line. Um, just not good power plays, um, like I said, in the next game especially, but we'll get into that later. Penguins, six penalty minutes, not terrible. Uh, it was lower than the Oilers, which who at 10. Um, uh, I should mention power play was one for five in this game, where the Oilers was one for three. Um, but giveaway, takeaway, it's always that thing I come back to, and maybe it's not important as I make it out to be, but I really do think it is. Penguins with 10 giveaways to eight takeaways. Not great. It's the wrong side you want to be on. It's not terrible, but it's not great either. Um, but the Oilers, kind of interesting here. They had 15 giveaways, so a lot of giveaways, but they had 20 takeaways. So they had a positive differential there, but it was also like huge numbers-wise. numbers, numbers -wise. So they gave it away frequently, but then took it right back frequently. Um, so I'd like to know, like, when teams give away takeaways, you know, how does that relate to the outcome? You know, if teams have... Pos Let's say all things are positive. 
But, you know, would a team that always gave the puck away four, five, six times and took it away seven or eight, nine times, would they win more or less than a team like what Edmonton today that takes away 15, 16, 17 times, or gives it away that many times, excuse me, and then takes it away like 20 times? You know, what's the stats on that? I'd like to know that, and I can probably figure that out uh, on my own time. But anyways, that was the Oilers game. That was first regulation loss this year. Um, it was a tough one. Um, I would say just, again, struggling to get anything going in the offensive side. And I'll get into, again, like I said, I'll get into more of what I think about the team in a little bit. Um, but again, just short, short briefly, I'm struggling on the offensive side in this game, I would say. Even though they scored six goals, I'd say the defense was okay. It wasn't terrible. Um, but next would be one day later, next game, Tuesday, October 25th. Um, it would be at Calgary, the Flames. And this was DeSmith's turn to be in net, and it was going to be against Markstrom. Um, uh, Zucker was out this game. Um, he had he had some sort of upper body injury. Not quite sure what it was. Um, but he would be out in this game and the next game. Um, so yeah, Gensel out, of course, as well. Um, still, he's still recovering. Like I said, um, he would travel with the team though on this road trip. It was a, I think this road trip accounted for eight days. Maybe it was seven days. Maybe it was a seven day road trip. I'm not, I can't, I can't quite remember. Um, but it, it was at least seven days, a seven day road trip and it was five games. So, you know, you kind of, he, he came anyway, because, you know, after seven days time, you figured he might be ready for like the last one or two games. Um, which he would come back in the last game, but again, we'll get to that later. Uh, this Flames game, very uninspiring. Um, the Flames are a great hockey team, and, you know, over a seven-game series would beat the Penguins probably in four or five games. The Penguins of now in probably four or five games. Um, just, they're amazing, and you got to have to, I have to admit that they're probably one of my favorites to win the Stanley Cup this year. Obviously, injuries affect every team. You can say, oh, what if the whole team gets injured? I guess if the whole team gets injured, then no, they're not the favorites anymore. But, you know, these things happen. But as of right now, this team uh, is my one of my favorites to win the Stanley Cup. Um, they do a really, really good job at basically everything. Um, the Penguins only scored one in this one. And I would say that, yeah, they probably only deserve one. Um, the defense couldn't get the ball out of their own, or the ball. Defense could get the puck out of their own half. Um, there was a, an abundance of nothing in, in the offensive zone. Um, and the goalkeeping from our side wasn't too amazing, but that's probably because the defense was terrible. Um, we lost basically every face off this game. Uh, power play didn't do hardly anything. I forgot that we even scored a power play goal in this game. Um, but let's let's just go through the game real quick. The Flames jump out to a 2-0 lead in the first uh, with two Kadri goals. And then they would make it three in the second, courtesy of Huberdeau. Uh, Malkin would get one on the power play shortly thereafter. But uh, Flames would get one back at the midway point of the second, and that really put this game out of reach. It was a three-goal three goal cushion, and... Penguins never got anything after that. Um, shots on goal were very similar, 33 and 36. Face-off percentage, 36% for the Penguins. By far the worst uh, stat of the year. Um, not good on the face-off, um, but then again, Flames were just amazing on the face-off. Nobody was 
Nobody was going to outperform the Flames today on the Penguins. Um, both teams, the positive giveaway-takeaway ratio, Penguins 4-7, Flames 7-11. Penguins with six penalty minutes. Again, I'm totally fine with that. Flames with 10. Love to see that. Drawing penalties from a Penguins perspective. Converted one of those power plays via uh, Malkin. As always, I love to see Malkin score. Um, but just a, just got outclassed here. Um, this is a perfectly fine team to lose to. As is Edmonton, I guess. You know, they're an okay team. You like to see it. You like to see it be closer uh, with that Edmonton game. But this Calgary team, I think, is amazing. Um, perfectly fine team to slip up against. You were on your second game of a doubleheader. It's early in the year. You've played. Th this is your third game in four days. You've got a couple guys out that are kind of important. So yes, this was this was a game where the, you could be forgiven for losing, and it was four to one. It could have been worse. It could have been better, but that's just how the game tumbled out. So two straight regulation losses um, for the Pens now, as they would go in. Uh, I think three days later, uh, yes, Friday. So from Tuesday over to Friday, they would travel to Vancouver and play against the Canucks. So this game, uh, Tristan Jari would start this one. Uh, and it was against Spencer Martin in goal for the Canucks. Uh, the Canucks, terrible start to the year. Um, they had just won. This was their second, I believe. This was their second game of a back-to-back. -back. Penguins are off a few days rest. This is their first game of a doubleheader, but nonetheless, you're on a couple days rest. You're out, Zucker and Gensel. you got to beat this team. It's a team you should be beating. It's a team, you know, Penguins of last year and years past would have been unacceptable to lose to. Um, but as you'll see, this game didn't go well. On uh, the first period, it was mostly Canucks. Um, Canucks would get out to the early one nothing lead. I guess it wasn't early. It was 14 minutes in. Pearson would score courtesy of McKayev and Garland. But the penalties this period were out of control. They had three penalties this period. Um, and one of them was at the very end of the period. And that would lead to the power play goal that happened early in the second period. Um, which would make it 2-0. It was Horvat, uh, courtesy of Kuzmenko. Uh, the Penguins would get a power player of their own in the second, uh, and Raquel would score on it 16 minutes in, courtesy of Rustin Malkin. Um, but, yeah, not not a particularly inspiring first two periods. Um, Pens had started to bring it back a little bit in the second, kind of started to swing it in their favor. Um, and then especially early in the third, you actually maybe had hope that the Penguins might be able to win this one. Um they were down 2-0. They just scored one at the at the later half of the second. They had a lot of the control early in the third, and that was very different from the first two periods where it was kind of back and forth. And especially the first period, actually, the Canucks had most of it. Second period, back and forth. In this third, the Penguins really started with a lot of the puck and a lot of shots on net. I wouldn't say necessarily there was a lot of chances, like goal-scoring chances. The defense played well enough for Vancouver that there was no really clear-cut opportunities. Um, there was a couple. I shouldn't say there wasn't any. There was a couple, um, but you know maybe there's just you would have might have expected more with the amount of time that they had the puck. Um, but the the goal from the Canucks from Kuzmenko ten and a half minutes into the third, super deflating, super deflating. The Penguins had been putting so much pressure on. You know they had the, most of the puck, and for Kuzmenko to come down and score like that really put a dent into to the comeback plans and. After the penalty, uh, later in the period, Horvat would get another power play goal, uh, this time courtesy of Ekman Larson, and that really iced the game there, that penalty. Um, they, they didn't need to score. 
really for that game to be iced. Um, but they did, and then shortly after that, because we emptied the net out after that, there was three minutes left, so we were like, might as well. And Miller got an empty netter. So the Penguins lost to the Canucks 5-1. to one. Talk about embarrassing. Embarrassing, embarrassing, embarrassing. Holy cow. Uh, it's a bad Canucks team. Yes, yes, I understand that they had just won. Um, but holy cow, you got them chanting. A week ago, they were chanting something like Fire Bruce or something. I don't know what they were saying a week ago. Um, uh, but then they were chanting in this game. There was like 85,000 people. There was This is the most people that's been in the stadium all year. And they were chanting, Bruce, there it is. And they were all on his back for this win against the Penguins because... You know, at the time, Penguins 4-2-1, and one, their only losses were to Edmonton and Calgary. So they're like, yeah, Penguins are a good team. Well, yeah, it turns out they're not so great. Uh, the Canucks uh, beating them here. Yes, it's their fourth road game. Yes, it's a long road trip. Yes, they're old. You can't use that as an excuse. You're old. Get it fucking done, man. If, you, if the excuse is going to be you're old, you're going to get fucked. <laughs> you're so fucked later in the year. Um, but this is would be a third straight regulation loss. This one the most embarrassing of the bunch. Um, the, the comeback that Edmonton made was pretty embarrassing, but this really tops it. Just getting kind of outplayed and just beaten by the Canucks. Like, come on, guys. The Canucks, you got to be better than that. Are you on the level of a Canucks team? Like, what's the, what is this? Like, we're slipping here. Three straight OT, or OT losses, regulation losses. Um, the stats are as follows. Penguins with 35 shots on goal, Canucks with 29. Um, face-off percentage was 49.1 for the Pens, 50.9 for the Canucks, so very even there. Penguins were 1-4 for four on the power play. Canucks were 2-4, for four, each team with 10 penalty minutes. Each team very similar hit totals, 22 for the Pens, 23 for the Canucks. And very similar giveaway-takeaway totals, 8 giveaways, 3 takeaways for the Pens, 10 giveaways, 4 takeaways for the Canucks. So as this is, you look at this game and you think, wow, those two teams, you know, like a non-NHL fan comes in, they look at this, these stats, and they say, wow, the Penguins and the Canucks must be two teams that are very similar in skill level, um, but in this game, the Canucks took their chances or the Penguins did it. So the Canucks must be a little bit bigger than the Penguins. That is what somebody that watched this or that would look at these box score stats and prob that's probably what they would think. Uh, as a Penguins fan, or as Penguins players, you have to be very upset with how people would look at this game. <laughs> you are the Pittsburgh Penguins. You've made the playoffs how many years in a row? You won a few Stanley Cups by this point, and you have high expectations going into this year, whereas the Canucks don't. And for you to play a very evenly matched game with the Canucks and lose because they took their chances and you didn't, which means basically their players just are better than yours because they take their chances, whereas yours don't. Yeah, that's an, that's embarrassing. That is very embarrassing. But the Penguins would have to try to find a way to put that behind them because the very next day, yep, another doubleheader. They would play away against the Kraken, fifth road game in a row, the last one of that ro of this road stretch. Also the last game in October, um, as with the last back-to-back, -back, Smith would be getting the start. It would be Martin Jones in the net for the Kraken, um, and uh, Gensel and Zucker would be back for this game. Um, and the Penguins would learn that Martin Jones um, is... Uh, 
going to play his best game in a long time tonight. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. He hadn't been great to start the year. Uh, but he turns around and basically destroys any chance uh, of the Penguins winning this one. First period, after the first period, the score will be 0-0. It was very even after the first, very even shot totals, um, you know, very even hit totals, stuff like that. And then in the second period, um, game would still be very even. Um, it was kind of one, uh, not, not a super exciting game either. There wasn't too many chances on either sides. Um, but uh, it was during this period where things kind of got a little bit wild. Um, the Pens would open the scoring, courtesy of Gensel at 10 minutes and 5 seconds. It was unassisted. Um, he put it right through the five hole of Jones. Um, but then the Kraken would score two, two off that, two right after that. Um, Eberle would get one just a minute and 10 seconds later, minute and 15 seconds later. And then Greek, uh, Geeky would get one 18 and a half minutes into the period to make it two one Kraken by the end of it. Um, and it would have been four one Kraken had two goals not been, uh, challenged by Mike Sullivan and taken back. Uh, it happened two different times in the same period. Um, but was, was not so funny was right after the, it was, there was a high stick. That was, was the second goal that was taken back. There was a high stick penalty. And I can't remember if this was when they made it 1-1 or if they, or if this is when the Kraken took the lead. Um, because I've sort of blocked this game out of my memory. Um, but they dropped, so the goal got disallowed. They dropped the puck. Three seconds later, the Kraken score. It was the most deflating thing you would have ever seen. <laughs> Like, you just got a goal disallowed. So, like, all right, we got to get back together. We, they gave us a goal back. We got this. Let's stay in it. Three seconds later, Kraken score. For real this time. Uh, it was unbelievable. <laughs> it was unbelievable to fucking watch that happen. Watch that unfold. That was uh, stupid. That was just dumb. Um, Penguins couldn't get anything after that in the second. Couldn't get anything in the third. And the Kraken would get one in the empty net at the very end of the game. Um, There's like two minutes towards the end of the game where the net was empty. And the, like the first 30 seconds started really well for the Penguins. But the last minute, there was a couple face-offs and they lost both of them. And then off that second face-off, eventually the Kraken were able to get it over to the empty net. Um, but yeah, uh, shots on goal were 33-30 in favor of the Pens. Face-off percentage, uh, Pens just south of 48%. 0 for 2 on the power play. Kraken 0 for 2 on the power play. Each team with four penalty minutes, each team with 25 hits, each team with 10 giveaways. Uh, Penguins only had one takeaway where the Kraken had seven. Uh, this is, I feel the same way about this game as I did about the Canucks game. You ask somebody, hey, look at these stats. Come to a conclusion, they're going to come to the same conclusion that they did about the Canucks game. Kraken are a better team. They're very similar, but the Kraken took their chances where the Penguins didn't. Oh. Just a frustrating, frustrating road stretch here. And, you know, I said at the beginning um, of, or at the end of last episode, in the beginning of this road stretch, that I would be happy if the Penguins could come out of this road stretch with two wins. I said that a little bit reluctantly. I was like, well, maybe three wins would be more what I kind of want. Um, but I was like, you know, know what? Two wins, maybe an overtime loss or a shootout or something like that. Or two wins and three really close losses or something like that, you know. That would be fine. I would be happy with that somewhat. You know, we play three games in four days, have a couple days rest, and then we play another doubleheader. 
So you got to give the Penguins a little bit of slack. It's all road games, so it's like, all right, two wins, couple regulation losses, maybe an overtime one, keep them close at least. Maybe lose, maybe get blown out by the Flames because they're a good team. But other than that, we should be able, to, we should still be solid out of this road trip. Well, we're out of the road trip. Um, we have one win. We had one win, first game against the Columbus team, and then we had four straight regulation losses. Um, the Penguins last year had a stretch of four regulation losses once, and it was at the very end of the season, and they played the. It's because they played the Colorado Avalanche, and they played the Colorado. They played the Avalanche, and they lost. They played the Avalanche again, and they lost. They played the Rangers, and they lost. And then they played the Capitals, and they lost. They played very four very good or three very good teams. One of them twice, and they lost. And they were at least semi close. I think the Colorado games like they lost the first one two to four. Then they lost four to six, and then they lost to the Rangers zero to three. That was not a good one. But then they lost to the Capitals. I think like three to six. So they scored at least, you know, they got some things done. And then they bounced back the next the next day after the Capitals game and beat the Flyers. Um, but this stretch of four games, man, I, I don't know if I can get behind this one. This is very early into the season. And the first loss against the Oilers, sure, they're respectable. They'll be good this year. They'll be on the higher end of that Pacific rankings. Calgary, very acceptable. You lost 4-1. You lost by multiple goals, yes. But Calgary is a very good team right now. It was a it was your second game of a doubleheader. All right, that you're that is forgivable. You're away a long ways away from Pittsburgh. A three a four one loss. It's forgivable. You only let in you know maybe four is a maybe only three goals, but you whatever. That's an acceptable one. But then the Canucks, you lost five one, four one without the empty netter. And then the Kraken, you lost 2-1 two, th- without the empty net. 3-1, technically, you lost 2-1 without the empty netter. In regulation, like, you you just lost. You just got bounced by the Canucks and the Kraken? Yeah, it's your fourth and fifth games of a road trip. Yeah, you've been on the road for seven days, seven or eight days. It's the Canucks and the Kraken. Yes. Okay, I don't mean to make them sound like terrible teams. The Canucks are not great this year. Okay, they're not great. They did just, after that Pittsburgh win, yes, they won two in a row. They're still not great. The Kraken are better than they were last year. They are better. They're not great. They're not amazing. What what kind of team is this Pittsburgh team? After these four games, you got to think about it. Going into the year, I'm thinking, okay, Pittsburgh is a team that's going to score 95, somewhere around there. They're going to score like 95 points this year, 9,500. You know, they'll get... 44 wins, 42, 43, you know, if you get 44, that puts you at 88 points, throw, chuck in some, uh, OT losses, you're at 95. Well, now you gotta think, what's the plan? We're four, four, and one, we have nine points after nine games, we just lost four in a row in regulation. What's this team looking like now? Who, who is gonna be afraid of this team? And I really think the Penguins have to prove who they are against... They they have a couple days off. They, on November 1st, they play the Bruins at home. The Bruins are 8-1. and one. They might even play in between then, so I don't know. But they're 8-1. and one. And 
the then they the next very next day it's another doubleheader yes but the very next day they play away against the Sabers. If the Penguins are to be taken seriously this year by any opponent, they need to win. Start off, you need to win that Boston game, and then you need to win that Sabers game. And I thought about this a lot in my head, and I was like, well. Maybe winning's too much. Okay, you can still be taken seriously if you, like, just lose or if you lose, like, a shootout or, you know, maybe... And then you beat the Sabres or something. But I... The more I thought about it, the more I was like, no. You just lost four straight in regulation. You got embarrassed by every team you played. It wasn't really that close with any of them. The Kraken one was pretty close. But other than that, it was not close. You did not play a full 60 minutes in any of those games. Your defense was shambolic most times. Your offense couldn't get anything going most times. Your power play was terrible. Your penalty kill was decent. Who are you? And these two games are massive. And yes, we are 10 and 11 games into the year after these two games. There's a whole lot of games to go. I don't care. This these two games, I believe, I truly believe, will sh- show us what kind of Penguins team we're going to get throughout the rest of the year. And I keep going back and forth in my head. Maybe a valiant effort with a loss. Maybe that's enough. Maybe a win's enough. I don't know. I just need them to convince me. And I don't know what that looks like in the win or loss column, but just convince me. Start there. Start there. Let me know that there's some sort of hope that this team can win a Stanley Cup because that's the ultimate goal. Can you win a Stanley Cup? Can a team that's lost four straight in regulation win a Stanley Cup? I don't know. But I do know the last time the Penguins lost four straight games in regulation, if you exclude the 2020, and we're going to exclude that, the last time the Penguins lost four straight games at least, or at least five straight games, the last time the Penguins lost at least five straight regulation games. So if they lose to Boston, this will apply. Last time they lost five straight was in 2012. It was from December 29th, 2011 to January 11th, 2012. They lost six straight games in regulation. Um, they started that streak with a loss against the Flyers, I believe, 2-4, to four, and ended it with a loss against uh, maybe the Devils or something. I'm not quite sure, but in that streak, they didn't score more than one goal in any game except for the first loss against the Flyers where they scored two in a 2-4 loss. In the current streak, the Penguins, the Penguins have only been able to score more than one goal in one of the four games. In the first game, uh, pretty serendipitous how how similar these two streaks uh, appear to be. Um, but there's one big distinction between these two. So far, every stat I've given you has been pretty similar, except for the the six. They they lost six, I believe. They lost six games in between that. In the what would that be? A thirteen day span. Penguins of now have only lost four, um, but, the, but so that's a little bit different. One major difference between now and then is that then they did not have Sidney Crosby in the lineup. Now they do. They have virtually everybody except Gensel, which yes, that's a big hole to fill, but you can fill it. You got the guys, you got you got the players. You can fill that hole. You're losing four games in a row, and you have your whole team, basically? That's rough. That's a rough thing to do. Um, 
The good news is that 2011-2012 team recovered from that, and they scored 108 points in the regular season. So they did end up recovering very nicely, so maybe this team will do the same. I don't know. Um, I'm not a coach, but I know that there's something wrong here with the coaching. Um, Mike, Mike Sullivan needs to figure it out. You don't will lose four straight in regulation, or excuse me, five straight, um, you know, without something going wrong. Um, or I guess it's four straight. You don't lose four because they've only lost four. They do lose five. It'll be the first time in a long time. Um, but four in a row this early in the year is very upsetting. Um, and you wonder how much longer it can go when you look at their upcoming schedule, which I will get to. But they need to show what they're made of. And it needs to come out fast. Um, uh, I do think the worst part about the team right now is the defense that we're getting. Uh, especially from a certain player, and I will get into that just a little bit later. But for now, let's just go over the points leaders uh, for the team after October. Uh, Sidney Crosby leads with 11 points. I believe he got that in the... Uh, he got the, in the... I don't think he scored in the Canucks game or in the Kraken game. I think he had those 11 points after the Calgary game. Um, actually, I think he had them after the Edmonton game. I don't think he scored in the last three. Um, not quite sure about that. Don't quote me on that one. Um but yeah, Crosby at 11. He leads Malkin by three. Malkin's at eight points, four goals, four, four assists. Rust is at seven points, three goals, four assists. Gensel is at six. He's only played five games. He's at six points with four goals, two assists. Heinen, Zucker, and Carter are all also at six. And Raquel and Kapanen are at five. Um, the goalies after October, not looking as high as mighty and mighty as they were after four games in. Um, Jari's played six games. He's got a save percentage of 0.915 and a goals allowed average of 3.02. Um, he is four and two currently on the year. Uh, DeSmith has played three games. He has a save percentage of 0.913 goals allowed of 2.97 and a record of 0-2-1. Uh, so just like last year, it's taken him a little bit, a little while to get, get started in the win column. I believe he got his first win last year against the Kraken. Um, uh, was hoping he could do the same this year, but didn't, didn't really work out. Um, but that is, those are the points leaders. Um, but let's get into this little bit of the schedule, um, upcoming schedule for you guys. And then I'll talk about, well, let's talk about, let's talk about, um, some player stats first really quick. So I mentioned the, uh, the points leaders, um, but let's get into a little bit more of the underlying stats just real quick. So last episode I mentioned some time on ice concerns with a couple of our guys, mainly Danton Heinen. Um, since then he has gone up a little bit. I believe he was somewhere around 13 and a half minutes average when we last talked. Um, after the next five games he's now at just under 14 and a half. So I love, love, love to see that. Love to see Heinen get more minutes. Um, he is just above Kasperi Kapanen, Brock McGinn, um, Sam Poulin's down there too, Ryan Paling, uh, Josh Archibald's down the list. And Drake Caglia is also down there at the bottom. Um, but he's just behind the likes of Pierre-Olivier Joseph, who's a defenseman. Um, he's about 40 seconds, behind, 50 seconds behind Jeff Carter. Uh, a little bit more, a full minute behind Jason Zucker. So I don't know about that. Uh, but I like to see Heinen uh, maybe on top of Jeff, or maybe not Jeff Carter, but at least Jason Zucker. Similar minutes to Jeff Carter, at least. Um, but... That's the average time on ice. Chris Letang is leading average time on ice with 23 minutes, 24 seconds um, among everybody. And we'll get into that right now. 
So as far as defensemen go, you know, I think defense is our our biggest problem right now through the first nine games of the year. And I think that's evident because we're 20th out of the 32 games teams in goals against. And we haven't even played like, like some teams I know have played 10 games, some have played 11, so a lot of them have played nine. Um, so some of those teams were even behind them in games played. So we couldn't even find ourselves sliding even farther down the list. Um, but we're 20th right now. I think it's our biggest weak point. But let's go over some um, defensive some defensive statistics that I think are really important to note here. So obviously a big one, and this is not just a defensive statistic. This is just an everybody thing. Is plus minus. Plus minus is just about the most important stat I think out there. It's one of the most important ones. It's basically when you're on the ice, it's, it's it subtracts the amount of goals for or goals against from the total of goals for that your team scores. That you don't have to score them, but as long as you're on the ice, if you score like if you're on the ice and your team scores five times, whether you contribute or not, and your team and you don't allow any goals, you have a plus minus of five. But if you're on the ice and you score twice, doesn't have to be you. You don't have to score. You don't have to assist. But the team scores twice, but you let up. You've let up three goals while you're on the ice. You have a plus minus of negative one. So that's how plus minus works. So it's basically how well are you contributing. It's it's a way to tell how well players are contributing without necessarily looking at their goals and assist totals. Uh, so really kind of important for defensemen, really. Um, Jan Ruta tops the list at a plus minus of six. Ricard Raquel falls shortly behind with five. Two players I want to talk about. Jan Ruta needs to get some more minutes. He's averaging 16 minutes on the ice as a defenseman. Get that up to somewhere around 17, 18 minutes. He is playing amazingly right now. Only two penalty minutes. Um, he scored two goals. He has an assist. He has three points for a defenseman after after nine games. It's pretty solid. Um, he has a plus minus of six, as I mentioned. And there's a stat I'm going to go over. I'll start, I'll start with it now because he also leads the team in this. It is called um, defensive points shares. So this is, I can't really explain this one in depth, like, in depth like I could the last stat, but this is basically an estimate of the number of points contributed by a player due to his defense. So because of Jan Ruta's defense, he has an estimated number of 0.6 points contributed to the team. That is the highest on that's the highest because of his defense, that's the highest DPS. Um there's also an offensive points shared and Crosby leads that with 0.9. Um, but Jan Ruta leads the defensive point shares with 0.6. So far, Marcus Pedersen at 0.5. Jeff Petrie at 0.5. Pierre-Olivier Joseph at 0.4. So you have four defensemen, obviously, in the top four. We like to see that. And then who's next? Ricard Raquel. He gets back. He plays defense. Love to see that from him. Um, but Ricard Raquel at a, at a plus-minus of five. Um, and he's only had, he only has five points. He's not the best point scorer, but when he's on the ice, the team gets things done. And I really think I see from him. He really hustles a lot. Um, he not, knows where to be, right time, things like that. Um, and he he gives an effort on the offense and the defense, as I just mentioned. His offensive point share and defensive point share totals are virtually the same. Um, and he doesn't he doesn't he hasn't. Um, penalized he hasn't been penalized yet this year doesn't take penalties he's a really smart player I think he needs more time on the ice and I think it was cruel to him um he actually got shuffled down to the second line against the Kraken 
Gensel went in the first line, Rust went in the first line, and Raquel got pushed down to the second line. I think that was really cruel. I think he's been probably... This is a big thing to say, but he's probably been the best offensive player out of those first two lines. I know Sidney Crosby has 11 points. I know Malkin has 8 points. And I know Raquel only has 5 points. But when he's on the ice, especially in this away stretch, he is the one that's taking the shots in the offensive end. He's the one creating the chances. It's not Crosby. It's not Gensel. It's not Rust when he was up there. It was Raquel doing it. He had the most shot total. I, 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 I haven't, don't have the proof to back this up, but I would reckon that he has the most shots over those five games um, over anybody else because he was the, just the one creating the chances. Um, but I don't know. I don't know that for sure, but definitely most underrated player on, the, uh, on this Penguins team and even by the coaching staff as they put him down in the second line. I think that was cruel. Yes, Rust has been good. Don't think he's been amazing. I don't think he definitely, definitely don't think he deserved to be switching out with Raquel. Raquel, I think, has been playing better. Um, I think that shows in the the, the offense points shared for Russ is 0.5. DPS is 0.1, whereas for Raquel, it's 0.4 and 0.3. So it's a little bit better, not too many. It's, 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 thin, it's, it's thin lines, fine margins, um, but whatever. It, it happened. I hope Raquel is a mainstay in the first line, and Rust is a mainstay in the second line. I like Rust with Malkin. I really do, and I like Raquel with Crosby um, and Gensel. I really do. So I hope they switch that up uh, for this Bruins game and get it back to to um, Raquel on that first line. But um, you'll notice, you know, I went through those defensive point shares, and for those of you who know the Penguins roster really well, you might have noticed that. There's a pretty pretty key name that's missing from those top four defensemen. I mentioned Ruda, Pedersen, Petri, and Joseph. Chris Letang is missing from that list. Um, and he's missing by a lot. I have to scroll all the way down to the bottom of this page. There is two players on the Pittsburgh Penguins roster with a negative DPS. One of them is Sam Poulin. He's played two games, all right? Like two games, he's not been on the ice for at all. He's been on the ice for like ten minutes a game. All right, you don't. You just got thrown in there. He's twenty-one years old. Whatever, he can have a negative zero point one DPS. The other player is Chris Letang. Over nine games, he has the by far the most time, average time on the ice, twenty-three and a half minutes. That's like two minutes more than the next guy. He has a negative DPS. That first line as a whole. Brian Dumoulin also quite low on the DPS at 0.2, but Chris Letang in particular at negative 0.1 after nine games. His plus-minus total. There's a there's quite a few guys with some with a negative uh, plus-minus. I want to say about like ten guys, uh, maybe not ten, maybe more like six or seven. Uh, yeah, there's four guys with a negative one and three guys with a negative two. Chris Letang is at a negative five. Chris Letang had an amazing year last year. I don't know what happened between now and then. He got paid. That's what happened. Maybe maybe he got paid and now he doesn't care. That's probably not it. That's most definitely and probably not it. Um, I don't know what happened. Especially this road trip, really. Uh, the first four games were actually all right. But after this road trip, whew, stats have just been plummeting. They've been plummeting for everyone, but him especially. Are you kidding me? Chris Letang had a negative... 
He's the only player on the team with a negative defensive point share. So you're telling me we paid $6 million for six years for a guy that's going to give us a negative value on defense? And he's 36 or something? I don't know. I don't know. that He needs to turn the season around. And as far as I'm concerned, the coaching staff, this is a problem that needs to be recognized right now. He is getting two and a half minutes average on ice more than the next guy, Jeff Petrie. That needs to change next game. Right now against the Bruins, that has to change. A guy that is giving up negative 0.1 DPS cannot be on the ice for 23 and a half minutes. It cannot be. cannot be happening. Um, even in the play that I've watched, I've just kind of noticed, you know, he's giving away the puck more. Um, bad passes, just bad turnovers. Yes, he's had a couple of good plays on the defensive side. I don't think it makes up for it. It's been, it's been bad this year. And I'm glad that, you know, I noticed it, but then I thought maybe, well, maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe I'm not really seeing it right. I don't know. Maybe I don't know enough about hockey. Maybe he's in the right position at the right time. I don't know. But when I looked at the stats, I was upset. Yeah. That I saw that Latang was doing this bad, but relieved to notice that, yeah, I was right. You know, he is really bad right now. And the coaching needs to recognize that. Yes, he's a great player. He's been a great player for so long. Just give him a game or two. Give him this doubleheader. Put him in the second line. Because, you know what? Everybody else has been doing great. Put Marcus Pedersen up there with with Jeff Petrie. And let them, let them be the first line. Or just keep Dumoulin up there. And throw Petrie up there with him. Or throw Pedersen up there with him. You know, maybe, but I think it would do the defense good to take Latang and Dumoulin, put them in the second line, take Petri and Pedersen, put them in the first line. I think, I think that would be fine. At the very least, drop Latang's minutes. He cannot be playing 23 and a half minutes, two and a half more than the next guy. Can't happen. Drop him down to about 20, 21 minutes this upcoming game against the Bruins. Um, and we'll see, we'll see how that goes. You know, give maybe just kind of spread the minutes out to every other defenseman instead of just giving them all to two other guys. Just kind of spread them out evenly between everybody else. Um, because you know what, Pierre Joseph's been doing great. Um, that that he had a shaky first game against the Coyotes, but since then he's been fine. Um, Jeff Petrie's been he's had a, he had a bad game against the Canadians, but other than that he's been fine. Pedersen's been fine. Pedersen's been good. Petrie's been good. Joseph, like I said, he's been fine. Just just spread the minutes th- throughout the rest of the team. You can't... If there's a bad... Some, if somebody's playing bad, just give them a few less minutes. Just let them figure it out. For the couple games, if they can't figure it out, just keep them down there. They can, still can't figure it out. Drop them even more. There's other guys that deserve this opportunity. I understand that Latang is, what, 35 years old? He's been on this team for 15 years, 16 years, something like that. I understand that. But when there's guys that deserve a chance, you got to give it to them. You just got to give it to them. Um, I've been, it's really, really upsetting. <laughs> it's really upsetting that Latang has not been performing after we just gave him that huge contract. Um, Gensel has been performing. Crosby's been performing. Malkin's been performing. Heinen has been performing, Russ has been performing, Raquel has been performing, and as 
much as I praise Raquel and Rust, um, there's a person who has a higher offensive point share than them, and that's Danton Heinen. Danton Heinen is point share uh, just under 0.6. Um, Ryan Russ is also in that 0.5 range, but it's a little bit lower. Um, but Danton Heinen also doing stuff on the defensive side, 0.2 uh, defensive point share. So he gets it done on the defense too. You know, when you got when you have guys forwards with a defensive point share higher than your defenseman, a defenseman that is a supposedly star player and we just paid $6 million a year to, yeah, you need to give him less minutes. Um, but like I said, Dan Heinen, Danton Heinen at 0.5 offensive point share, fourth on the team, and he's only getting third line minutes at 14 and a half. You know, I'm going down this list. Oh, Crosby got 0.9. He's playing 20 minutes a game. Gensel's got eight, seven, 0.7. He's playing 18 and a half. Malkin's playing 18 and a half. Russ is playing 18. Raquel's playing 19. Carter's playing 15. Yeah. Root is playing 16. Hines here with 14 and a half at a 0. Point, just under 0.6 offensive point share. Get this man on the ice more. Get him on the ice. And you know what? I said earlier, maybe it's good to have him in the third line, but man, I want to see him in that second line. Get him in that first line power play. Get him in that second line. God, this guy needs to be out on the ice more. He's too good to be sitting on the bench. Coaches need to realize these things. They need to get it done. They really need to get it done because I'll tell you what, the Penguins need to flip their fucking season around. Four straight regular regular uh, regulation losses. If you want to make it five straight and be the first team to do that in 11 years, go for it. I don't. Don't fucking do that. Change some stuff. Get it figured out. Get Heinen more minutes. Get Latang less. Get spread the, some minutes to the other defensemen, and let's get this win versus Bruins. Um, that that game against the Bruins is the first game uh, of November. Um, in total, there's 14 games played in November. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, doubleheader. First home against the Bruins, then away against the Sabers. Um, November 5th, they play host to the Kraken. November 9th, they go to Washington. No, uh, November 11th, they go to Toronto. November 12th, they go to the they go and play the Habs. Um, November 15th, they host the Leafs. November 17th, they go to Minnesota and play the Wild. November 19th, they go to Winnipeg and play the Jets. November 20th, they go to Chicago and play the Blackhawks. November 23rd, they go to Calgary and play the Flames. Um, the 25th, they go to Philly and play the Flyers. Uh, they play Toronto. They host Toronto again November 26th, and then they host the Hurricanes November 29th. Um, for those of you counting, that's five home games to nine away games. So a lot of... Uh, a lot of, lot of away games this month, and it's a lot of uh, a lot more Canadian teams. Uh, we play the Canadians again in Canada. We played the Toronto three times this month, one time in Canada, two times at home. Uh, we play Winnipeg in Canada. Uh, they play Calgary in Canada. So lots of Canada trips um, to face different teams. A couple of times they're coming here. So uh, kind of a interesting schedule, um, and it's tough. It's a tough, it's a tough November slate. Uh, 14 games in, what's that, 29 days? Or I guess 30 days. Um, but there are three instances in this month. This is an important part. There are three instances in which the Penguins play three games in four days. Three different times. And out of those three, two of them are all on the road. I have those three games all on the road. Uh, the first instance is uh, November 9th. Uh, at the Capitals, November 11th at the Leafs, November 12th at the Habs. Um, that's a three games in four days stretch. The second instance is November 17th at the Wild, 
November 19th at the Jets, November 20th at the Blackhawks. That's a three uh, a three games and four days road trip. Um, and then the one later on in the season, it's November 23rd at the Flames, November 25th at the Flyers, and then November 26th at home against the Leafs. So there's one game in there that's a home game. It's the last game on a Saturday um, against the Leafs. They they go back home, thankfully, for that one. But that doesn't make too much sense considering, you know, the 23rd they go to Calgary, then the 25th they go back to Philadelphia, and then the 26th they're staying at home against the Leafs. So I guess that Flyers, going to the Flyers and then back at home against the Leafs kind of makes sense, but whatever. It's an interesting schedule dynamic. Um, it's interesting that the Leafs are played three times. They're played twice in these three and four days scenarios. Um, man, it's a tough one. Um, that three and four days in the middle of the month with the 17th, 19th, and 20th, that is also a four and six days because they play the 15th, the Leafs, and the 17th, the Wild, 19th, the Jets, 20th, the Blackhawks. So that's four games in six days. Um, so that's probably just equally as equally as tough, equally as challenging. We'll see if see if the Penguins can get it done, man. This is a tough month, and you know what I want out of this Bruins game. I want to win, and I want to win against the Sabers too. Both are super. Uh, the Bruins have been super good to start the year. The Sabers have been an improved team from last year. Get these wins, prove what you're made of, um, and then three days later get that revenge win against the Kraken. You have to, um, and then we'll go from there. We'll go from there, but these next three games, I won't accept less than two wins. If we get less than two wins out of these next two games, I want three. I think three. I, I should be saying I, I expect three wins. I don't expect anything less, but I can cut this team some slack. Hockey's a weird sport sometimes, so I would take two wins out of the next three, but they need to be convincing. I want to be in an, if they If you do lose, make it close. Make it, make it, make it hard, you know? Be tough. You know, be aggressive with your forechecking, backchecking. That's something that we really lacked on at the end of that road trip. Um, just, you got to convince me. Got to convince me that this season's worth watching. Um, but I think, I, I hope they can do that. You know, that 2012 team turned it around. They got 108 points by the end of that year, and I hope this team can do the same. Um, but that's going to do it for this episode of Penguin Prattle. I hope you guys enjoy. That was a long episode. Um We'll, we'll check back in in a, in a few games' time. Maybe it, it might be a couple weeks. I'm not too sure. It might be just before that um, that three day, four day or four games in six days, uh, right in the middle of the month. It might be just before that. And maybe we'll do maybe we'll do this two or three times a month. I'm not too sure yet. Um, but this was really fun. Um, again, this, this Penguins team's got to improve, and we'll see if they can do it. Um, but I will see you guys next time. Uh, on the C-String Podcast. Thank you so much for watching. Bye-bye.